Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction. Uh, it's me, your host, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brandon, a.k.a. Corbin Brando. And with me today is... Jason. I am Ben Young. Andrew's back. I'm Bill Jarvis. And today we are talking about The Mandalorian, the flagship show for the new Disney Plus, created by Jon Favreau, uh, a heavy hand by Dave Filoni. Uh, for those who don't know, listening, Dave Filoni is the creative director, big brain for basically everything Star Wars has done on television for well over a decade now. Uh, written by John Favreau, Dave Filoni. I'm going to get this name wrong, and I apologize to both him and all of his fans out there. But uh, Rick Famuyiwa? Yes. Okay. So I'm glad sure. you're all with me on that That's one. That's a hell of a name. It That's is a hell of a name, uh, but he... He wrote some of the episodes. Also, Christopher Yost. Ben, I thought you might be interested in Christopher Yost just because he's done a lot of X-Men comics. Yeah, he actually has. But back before I read X-Men, because X-Men hasn't been good for 30 years, uh, up until just recently, and you would know that. <laughs> well, you heard it here, folks. Uh, X-Men has been bad. Anyways, uh Everyone so, knew that. Just going to some of the directors for this. Uh, we got Dave Filoni, uh, going back to this wonderful name of Rick uh, Famuyiwa. Uh, he's Nigerian. He is Ni- uh, American-born, but to Nigerian immigrants. Um, so that's where his name stems from. Uh, also, Deborah Chow, Bryce Dallas Howard, and believe it or not, the finale is going to be directed by Taiki Waititi. Seeing what I've seen of him so far, I'm quite curious how that's going to turn out, but... I'm sure it'll be funny. Uh, starring yeah. Pedro Pascal as the masked warrior unnamed, even though I do know that his name has been spoiled out there on the internet. Don't say it. Yeah, he did it on an interview, like, by mistake. Uh, Carl Weathers, a sci-fi veteran that he is. Werner Herzog. Is that even how you say his name? Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog. And Nick Nolte. I'm just naming those so far because as you guys are listening to this, uh, we're only doing the first three episodes. That's all that's come out so far, but we kind of wanted to get our first uh, impressions and opinions out there. Well, by the time they listen to this, the fourth will be out, but... Yes, I'm sorry. The fourth will be out, but we're starting with this. It's a good start. It's fine. Deal with it. Deal with it. And the rest of the remaining episodes will come out in January 2020, I believe, right? That's when we're going to cover them, I mean. Yeah, we'll uh, yeah we'll revisit in early January. How many probably episodes? Before the Eight total, so we got five left. Uh, so, without further ado, Ben, you got something to say about this? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to like summarize, yeah. uh, uh, synopsize a, a series, especially um, only like part of a series, right? But uh, here's 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 a good one. Uh, after the stories of Jango and Boba Fett, another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe. The Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. We follow the travails of a lone, lone 
gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy, far from the authority of the New Republic. But most importantly, if you don't know what this series is about, and you're listening to this podcast, I have to ask, what have you been doing? Just watch the show. No, you're yeah, right. Decide I, if the Disney Plus subscription is worth the uh, seven ninety nine a month. Uh, that is true. Uh, I highly recommend, by the way, going with the fifty nine ninety nine a year. It saves you like three months. I oh, just go. got it for free from Verizon. Oh, there oh, you go. That look too. at you go. I uh, not I'm, sponsored. Hashtag. I own my soul, so I can't go with Verizon. Um, no, I'm just leasing it. <laughs> so th- th- that is a good point to bring up. Like, I don't understand why people have not watched this. Without, you know, barring valid excuses sure, of, like, of not having internet or I'm in the military. Power. That's fine. But things like, oh, I was busy watching The Office for a ninth time. Like, no, fuck you. Go watch, <laughs> go Tyler. watch Mandalorian. <laughs> oh. Anyways. <laughs> um, Shots have been no, fired. but so let's start with this first episode. Uh, just tell me what you guys think. I don't really have huge talking points for you because we're only three episodes in, so I don't. Let's talk about really quick the um the people behind the scenes for episode one because the every fan, every episode is kind of devil. directed and written by someone different as television is want to do and normally yes. normally you move past that it's not a big deal you said written uh john favreau and filoni do they write all the scripts uh favreau was on involved in every single script yes well he's a showrunner so um, yes he, that is the case i think it's on the directing side is where you get more uniqueness i actually heard that they encourage directors to put their own stamp on every episode of course that's what a director does but i just wanted to but do they do that for disney that is true disney does keep a a tight leash on it so this chapter one uh was directed by dave filoni and that's basically it it was written by john favreau like you said yes uh there are other other writers involved right but he's a showrunner so he gets his name on it Mm -hmm. mm-hmm Is there anything else you want to add about? No, I mean, one? that's really all there is to say. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, yeah, I could yeah. go into cinematography, but no one okay. listening cares uh, so about that. So the first one so. was directed by Filoni, right? Yep. The okay. first chapter yeah. one was directed by Dave Filoni, starred Pedro Pascal, so, Carl Weathers, Werner Herzog, etc. My, my thoughts on the first one was I enjoyed it. It intrigued me. Um, my one complaint was, and this is always, it's not so much a complaint, but it's just a realization that there is no good way to do exposition. There's just varying degrees of bad. Uh, sometimes it's unavoidable. They had a lot to set up in that first episode or that they needed to just throw in there. Um, the thing I hate about exposition is you know when they're doing it. This wasn't too bad, though, I will say. But it, <sighs> there's not much to set up. There's a whole universe post uh, Jedi to set yeah. up. But they ignore it all. They're, they ignore all that and they're like, here is a guy, he never takes off his helmet, and he hunts bounties. You might recognize him. So, wink, wink. Here's my Let's theory, is they gave a lot of exposition in uh, Werner Herzog? Is that how you say his name? Say Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog. That's, they got a lot of exposition out of the way with him, and I have this theory that you can literally put whatever bullshit you want into his dialogue, and it'll just be fine. Oh, Because you'll Mi- be like, oh, he's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the Mickey Rooney theory. Yes, I think that they put a lot of exposition into his lines, mm-hmm. and it just totally worked. Yeah. So, I I do want to make a comment on this. So I feel like throughout the whole series, like I was what I was sitting down watching with Emily, right? And Emily, not a Star Wars fan, 
Yeah. She doesn't watch Star Wars. She never saw it as a kid. She doesn't want to watch it now. I've been trying to convince her, but she doesn't. She said, I said, I want an outside perspective, someone who doesn't like Star Wars walking into this and watching it. And she's just like, I don't know. There's nothing really interesting about it. Because if you look at it, it is really a lot of just allusions to Star Wars lore, whereas the character in the center, not knowing what a Mandalorian is, not knowing, you know, anything about it to someone who likes popular television, they probably think to themselves, you know, like, oh, it's a space fantasy western yeah that's it absolutely you know so, so sometimes Which is enough to get me going so I it's love hard a western. so it's hard for me to keep it uh keep it objective because i love star wars so much so walking into this i knew i was gonna love it so <clears throat> it's funny that you brought that up so you watch the show with your wife now did you watch all three episodes kind of straight really, through or i was gonna say she saw the first episode with me and then she was on her phone for the second and third so. okay so interestingly enough, I'm, gr- I'm glad you brought that up because I had the exact opposite experience. So I watched it over the weekend. We're recording this on a, a Tuesday evening. I watched it on Saturday, I want to say. And I started watching with my wife, who also no background in Star Wars, has probably never seen, you know, a Star Wars movie, had no clue, said, hey, I'm watching this. You know, we're doing a podcast on it. I want to watch it anyway. Started from episode one. By the time we got to the third episode, she was like, are there any more? Can <laughs> we can we watch the fourth one? I said, oh, no, it's not out yet. Um, so it was just kind of cool that it hooked her. What, what I mean, for me, yeah, it's the lore and it's, you know, knowing what a Mandalorian is. And uh, I mean, a lot of the stuff I'm sure we'll get into about uh, kind of the deep dives. We're not really deep, deep dives, but like the dives into their culture and, you know, just kind of the way the show was framed. To me, it speaks to me as a fan. But to her, the story, the underlying story so far just kind of roped her in. And now she's invested. She asked me what day it comes out. Okay, real quick comment. I'm going to tell Emily, why can't you be more like Jason's wife? (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) What I was about to say, like, you guys have very obviously separate wives and no one listening. I hope. (laughs) Very different wives. Sorry. Um... (laughs) And, and people listening wouldn't know that. Uh, so, uh, not to alienate an audience that probably majority do not have wives. Some of us don't have wives. Let's talk about the episode itself. Yep. Being that I did not like it. I did not like the first episode. It's okay to be uh, wrong. Mostly. You know, I was like, that was enjoyable. But... I, throughout most of it, I was like, this is cool, this is cool, this is cool. I saw the time early on, 38 minutes. Right off the bat, I was like, what? I, you mean you did all of this and you couldn't crank out 42 minutes like a network show? Okay. I want to come back to that. Sure, we will. Um, fine, great, okay, whatever. Wouldn't judge it right off the bat. Except the pacing was awful. It was truly some of the worst pacing of a TV show. If it wasn't Star Wars, I would have been out. I would have been like that because it was poorly paced. It was so fast. Things happened and then things happened here and then things happened here. I never got a chance to take in the characters and get to know them. It was almost like, don't worry about the Mandalorian. He's not really a character. He's more of a concept. And like... I feel like that's not okay for like getting in maybe potentially new audience members. Perhaps that's why Emily was alienated right off the bat is because there is no character to the Mandalorian in the first episode. 
and there's no character to quirky droid 11 played by quirky actor with no substance taiko waititi and you have a cool shootout which is great it was very western it was very you know cowboys and indians kind of style that was fun and I started to get more hope. And then they walked in the door. They opened up the little pod. And what do we see? An adorable baby. A baby Yoda. Yoda species. We know. We don't care. Um, and I thought, well, that's it, isn't it? Like, we've taken everything in this galaxy and have burned it dry, drained every resource we possibly could to the point now where we have to go and take something that should always have been left a mystery and put it on a path of development. I always feel like Yoda was the wise sage. Yoda was something that shouldn't have been. I, in, when I played Kotor, Kotor and, and Vandar showed up, I was like, okay, like it was old Republic. And at least that, at least he didn't conflict with what we've learned. Yaddle, I ignore. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. you know, it was just one of those things where it was like, I, I, I feel like I don't want to know anything about this because I want this part to be a mystery. It's always was supposed to be a mystery. And now they're they've shined a spotlight on it. And they're like, look, he's 50 years old and he's still a baby. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was I was pissed. Are you mythicizing your Yoda? Are you mythicizing Yoda? Yeah. Yoda is mythicized. That's his that's his concept. I mean, it's almost as bad when Yoda whipped out a lightsaber in episode two. <laughs> well, how else do you get to be a Jedi? I mean, you could just use the force. Like, he could have just fucked up Dooku with the force. So I going into the show, I think we talked about it when we did one of our uh I think we did um wasn't it? It was like a cast on the Disney. So our, our first episode back, we talked about what we're excited about. D twenty three. No, that's it wasn't D twenty three though. The first one back, we talked about what we're excited for, and I think we mentioned the Mandalorian, and then yeah. we got more casting info, and uh, when D twenty three came out a month later in August. Yeah. So I was excited for it. There's a few points I'm going to try to make here. I'm I'm trying not to be messy. I want to keep it to where. It, it all kind of makes sense together, but there's a few things I think I want to say. You want to get gross? Let's get gross. I get real nasty here. So, <laughs> the PG 13 podcast? No, not We're anymore. Two <laughs> not fucks anymore. a podcast, and I just fucking used both. <laughs> <laughs> I think PG 13 only allows one fuck. Yeah, it's but, only uh, one fuck. So, we're, we're um, past it. We're in C 17 now, baby. <laughs> it's just all right now. So, so explicit. Starting the episode, I mean, same thing i the the what always grabs me initially is the visuals or the cinematography of whatever i'm watching so right off the bat um i don't recall what planet they start out on but it's very kind of misty icy sort of vibe um i was just taken by the look of it right off the bat i thought wow you know and we commented on that so i brought up the d23 episode or the you know what we're looking forward to because the visual style of the show, I think, rivals the films we've seen. I mean, to me, it could easily be the production value of like a Rogue One or even, you know, the mainline new trilogy. Uh, so I, I was just blown away. So that kind of hooked me right off the bat. And I thought the the way that they introduced the character, the way they introduced the uh, I forget the character's name. I'm trying to remember specifics now, but the the bounty, the first bounty. Mm-hmm. Um 
I thought that that was really well done when they uh, when he gets uh, frozen in carbonite uh, towards the end of like the first act of the first episode was really cool. And then just the world building overall, I, I thought they did in a kind of a subtle way and it was relatively quick because of the runtime. But in a subtle way, they, they did a lot in a very short amount of time. And I appreciated that. I thought that by the time we got to the end of the episode and we get the baby Yoda reveal. I don't know. I was on board. I think to go back to, I guess, another comparison and I won't spend a ton of time on this because I know this isn't what we talk about on this podcast, but I feel like when you have a concept of a show like The Mandalorian, so the concept from the trailers we saw and kind of what we heard is, okay, it's going to be, you know, space western set in the Star Wars universe. It's a bounty hunter. Uh, we're taking this established lore of this Mandalorian culture. We're going to explore it. You know, that's what it's going to be about. It's going to be a little bit more long form because you're not confined to a movie runtime anymore. So it's going to be different. And that first episode, by the time you get to the end of that 38 minutes or whatever, you've kind of shattered that. By the time you get the Baby Yoda reveal, it's like, okay, this show isn't going to be what I thought this show was going to be. But in the case of The Mandalorian, and I'm sure we can talk about this, for me, I thought it was a case of subverting expectations. It wasn't what you expected, but in a good way. And then at the end of that first episode... I might differ from Ben in this regard. I was hooked. I was engaged. Where are they going to go with this? I feel like a show, just to use a counter example, I guess, that did the opposite of that, at least initially, was uh, Fear the Walking Dead. So to me, the concept of like, oh, we're going to show everything that happens right when this outbreak is occurring or whatever, I thought, well, cool. That's a whole show right there. You know, five seasons on the outbreak and the initial aftermath of that. Like, that's cool. That's a show I want to see. Well, by the end of the third or fourth episode, they're already, they're on a boat in the middle of the Pacific. And it's like, we left all that behind, you know, we firebombed LA, whatever. So it's like, it subverts the expectation, but to me in a negative way. And it took that show a long time to kind of find its footing to me. Mandalorian did that in the first episode, kind of subverted it. But I think in a positive way that hooked me. And as we just talked about, it's kind of why I brought it up, you know, hooked my wife who was asking me immediately, oh, when can we watch more? Mm-hmm. Well, if you're trying to appeal to a mass audience as well as the fanboys, isn't that what you want to do? I feel like for my family, at least it did. Absolutely. I wanted to uh, bring up, you put a point out there uh, in the middle of that. Uh, do we have established Mandalorian lore? I mean, they no. kind of... We don't in um not yeah, in I guess the, I'm not sorry, the, the clone the Clone Wars did a lot for it. Did it? Okay. Yeah. Um, I always think a Kotor because they really anymore. dive into it. Well but. the thing is is they do respect they do respect where these uh, legends and lores come from. But ben, and I also wanted to say that I think that everyone's in agreement when we when I say that it's canon until it's not. Until they yeah. retcon it, until they overwrite it in any way, like I consider it canon. Like, why not? So, no, I mean, I agree with you. It's just you get the people who are kind of in charge of Star Wars just making these claims that there's no source material to go off of. And obviously there's books and comics and things that there's and games. There's a wealth of source material that's all just kind of been thrown to the wind. And I don't want to harp on that too much, but like it just seems to me that, you know, Mandalorian culture just kind of is whatever it 
you know, whatever they make it now. Because mm-hmm. there's nothing, there's nothing. I mean, they kept the mythosaur. That's great, you know, but that's on Boba Fett's armor. You know, it's kind of, you kind of have to address it at that point. Like, but it's just, it, it just, it's something that irks me to no end is when they just, they just threw everything out, you know? So the, what I want to, what I think is happening here though is I think they have a, a, what it seems like a pretty deep respect for what has come before. And they are pulling from that as they, they feel they, they need to or they can. Which I also understand that a writer doesn't want to go into a situation where they have to like adhere to all of these rules. They want the flexibility to just tell a story. Um, and I think too many people have too many people have touched on this uh, this story of the Mandalorians too many different people who told their own separate stories that it is kind of convoluted at this point. Um, is that even the right word? Yeah. I mean, that's the entire mythos. Yeah. So I, I think at that point to have something a little bit more definitive at this point, something more concrete, I think the Mandalorian is exactly what it kind of needs at this point. So, um, Bill. Okay. I was, I was going to say if I, um, I mean, if I'm going into like the lore of the Mandalorians, right. Because Jango Fett was a Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Boba Fett was a Mandalorian. So he's a clown. He was a clown. So you. So in this, we accept that the Mandalorian tribe religion has an adoptive culture, right? Is that like they have foundlings and then they adopt them into their culture and make a part of them, right? Used to be aliens or that's, you know, that's what I think of because I know the old Republic. But um, no, I was going to say, like, there's little inconsistencies with the primary trilogy is that um, they've removed their helmets. <laughs> is that a new thing? Is that an old thing? I don't know. I think it's a thing that's based on the Empire wiping out the Mandalorians, because I think <clears throat> what's important to note is that the Mandalorians we're seeing here in and we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're, we're getting to episode three now. Okay. But the Mandalorians we see here and the, and the culture we see here is not the same as the Mandalorians we see in the Clone Wars under uh, Queen Satine, right? Yes. And we don't see a ton of from them, granted. Like, we see Satine, we see Death Watch, and I think that's about it as far as Mandalore goes, right? So, I don't want to go too far into the lore here, but I know it's inevitable. The Mandalorians prior to the Clone Wars feels more in line with what we're seeing with this show the clone wars as the the cartoon the show created this like vibrant culture that's not like a warrior based culture they tried to like make it different i don't know why they did but before that like the mandalorians are i think more what we're seeing in this show based on the comic books based on the books that came before i think this is more in line with that it's more tribal in a way and i do know that but I think there's something poignant about having looking at the Mandalorians as Dave Filoni depicted them in the Clone Wars and looking at them now. And granted, like the have you watched the Clone Wars? Bill? Not entirely. No. Miller, Jason. A uh, little bit. But you guys, yeah. I know we've talked. It about is it literally the best Star Wars thing ever. It's just rich. Rich so, with so much yeah. stuff. Good characters, good writing, good everything. Anyway, um. 
you see this vibrant kind of changed group. I remember thinking that the Mandalorians seemed very different. I'm not a big EU guy. I've I've read some things and I but I'm not as religious in Mandal. I don't have, you know, a uh, mythosaur tattooed on my arm per se. But <laughs> Yeah, who the fuck does that? <laughs> I uh I I know of them based on things like Kotor and things like that. And I understood that they were a bit more tribal like that and a bit more based in, in war and battle. So when they showed up in Clone Wars, I was like, wow, okay, like this is really different. And they constantly got stomped on by the separatists, like constantly. It was just nonstop shit, shit fest for the Mandalorians. And then you find out and now at the beginning of this, that according to this canon, that they got stomped on by the by the Empire afterwards, which is especially like egregious because the Empire was the Republic. Mm -hmm. So you have this, you know, the separatists were constantly fucking with Mandalore and constantly dealing with uh, causing insurgency on Mandalore and they get all fucked. And then the Republic comes in and saves the day and then becomes the Empire and they're like, and you're fucked again. <laughs> and like, they, no wonder he's a fucking bitter mess. That's some state sponsored fuckery. Yeah. No, I was going to, I was going to ask. We definitely used our fucks for this episode. Yes. <laughs> we have hit our fuck quota. Um, no, I was going to ask because I was, you know, thumbing around on the internet and, um, and, you know, I saw there were, yes, exactly. I was like, oh, isn't that weird? Anyway, I was looking around on the internet and I was finding some lore. Um, about the you know Beskar steel and everything like that and everything that I don't know we might know about but this whole canon shit like screws everything out because I'm like trying to figure out is this canon is this not it does it deflect lightsabers does it de deflect blasters because they obviously showed that it deflects blasters you know he got a direct hit and it didn't go through okay cool um and that's another thing is that like Beskar steel is to me a kind of a I don't know it's a device, but it's also kind of a, a character to me because it's like it's got its own attributes. It's got its own like when it walks into the room because, you know, the Mandalorian walks into the room. God, I keep jumping to episode three all the time. Well, um, but did you want me to stop on that? Well, why don't we just talk about two real quick? OK, I don't, I don't feel like there's as much substance there as one and three had. So do you want to finish your point, though, Bill? No, I didn't really have a very good point, but. <laughs> And welcome to Sci-Fi Cross Section, where nobody really has a good point. <laughs> I often That's have good lie. points. I, I just forget points. what they are. Halfway the through. There's a reason you're here. I'm just saying. Great points all the time. I think. I think. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think. I think my main point was I was. Um, I don't know. I. It's just talking more about Mandalorian culture. Well, and, we're, uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're getting deep. We're getting deep into it. And, and I did once not again, expect that to happen. Read it. Enjoy it. Consider it canon, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. And so, until someone says no, and someone in authority goes, no, it's not that, or it's going to be this now. You go, okay, well, you suck, or okay, well, great, but otherwise, you know, it is what it is. So, Bill, please, I know we're going to discuss episode two here. Sorry. Episode two of The Mandalorian. <laughs> but, Very clear. But at some point, divert us back to this talk of canon, because I do have a point that I want to bring up, but I don't want to bring it up yet. Cool. All right. So, episode two, after he finds this... This little green baby. Adorable baby. Yeah, I love him. He's taking the internet by storm. I love no, him. No, honestly, I think we'll say like 70% of the Mandalorian success thus far is because of how cute that baby is. <laughs> well, it's, def it's, gonna... definitely, it's definitely retained an audience that is only watching for the baby. Yes, and 
You know what? They're brilliant for that. That's brilliant. It keeps, it keeps the money doing. coming in so that we can enjoy Follow it. Follow the money. <laughs> and I want to say that episode two is what won me over. Wow. Brought him in. Hey, I, I, you know, like everyone was like, I, I posted my opinion on the internet about, about episode one. Which I don't know why you would ever post your opinion. It was on very internet. stupid. People hated me for it. I had said... The Mandalorian is further proof that Star the Star Wars franchise needs to be put to bed. And I still stand by that statement. However, episode two won me over in, in pretty much every way. In, in The Mandalorian, in uh, Baby Yoda, in... Like, I, I'm still not crazy about Baby Yoda, but the force scene where he's holding up the, the my horn was very cool. And, um... That's what it's called, right? Mudhorn. Give me a look. Mudhorn. Mudhorn. My bad. I no, I'm just her. mad that you're you're not crazy about Baby Yoda. I mean, I'm, it's, are it's, you a sociopath? A, I, don't, I, I don't know. He, he is incredibly cute, and I would kiss him and snuggle him all day. Ew. However, it's just the concept, you know. Like I think he shouldn't exist. But anyway. Well, all right. <laughs> let me I digress. <laughs> let me bring this up to you because I kind of was thinking about this. Um, are the Sith as a race considered canon? Everything is considered canon until it is not. Okay, all right, I'm going with it. So it seems to me that if there's a natural balance to the Force, we have the Sith as a race, warriors, typically dark side users. Wouldn't it stand to reason that the inverse of that might just be whatever species Yoda is? That's because we... Naturally light side Force users? We actually do have an answer to that now. Well, I'm not answering anything. No, but like that. there is a there is a naturally light light side species that exists. So I yeah, don't the know. Yodas. If, no, uh, they're they're called the the, the Yodas. My name is John Yoda. The Zufo, the Zufo. I think they is are. Is that what and, Yoda species uh, is called? No, and uh, wow. we'll talk about it next month. <laughs> We're gonna tell Why you what we think about it because <laughs> it's Jason's dying. John Yoda. John Yoda. What? He just said I'm John Yoda. Yoda I miss John he just Yoda. over, yeah. I said it right to your face. I was face. so busy with the things I knew. I didn't hear the things that you said. <laughs> Isn't that our that's lives, a lesson? Though? That's yeah, a lesson that's... in how we communicate. You have yeah. two ears and one mouth. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> you can't say fuck anymore. You got to get her fuck quota. Yeah, John Shut Yoda. Shut the fucking yes, water slide I... up. Shut the fork up. <laughs> yeah. It, it's possible that they are another answer to it. I no, mean, there, can only be there one. are many answers, and there are many different older ancient species. Only a Sith deals in absolutes, oh, Miller. God. Let me like let me make it clear: the Sith have done nothing wrong. So, <laughs> so I'm the Sith, not Palpatine. He is not a true Sith. Sorry, Jason. Go ahead. Well, so while we're sticking with Episode Two, I just want to make sure I'm not, you know, I'm not kind of rolling these in. To one because I watched him in kind of one marathon session here. Um, episode two was the the kind of the focus on like the Jawas, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought as as far as looking at the medium of like television or I guess like the new like subscription service sort of television style that we're seeing a lot of, as far as doing like a deep dive into the mythos or the lore that we really wouldn't have the opportunity to see in like a film. That whole thing was awesome. Like uh, the whole, just as like an action set piece, it was great, but also to kind of establish some of um, the Mandalorian's kind of character traits also to examine that culture a little bit more. I thought it was great. The whole uh, scene where they're negotiating 
And, you know, e- even then, after they uh, fight the Mudhorn, they come back with the egg, the big furry woolly mammoth egg, and they give it to the Jawas, and you're like, what the hell are they going to do with it? And they chop the top <laughs> off, and then they're, like, eating the yolk and everything. Like, <laughs> I thought that was great, because to me, that's an opportunity for us to spend more time in this universe, and to spend more time in the universe in a way that it makes sense, but it's it's silly, and it's fun. You know, I feel like for as much as we enjoyed... And I think we did um, as much as we enjoyed like The Last Jedi or as much as we enjoy like the mainline entries in the series, like those moments of levity where they're taking the time to kind of develop things, even if they're not necessarily important. I feel like that's seeing that that's important. You know, if you're going to kind of, I guess, develop this uh, this series or this franchise into the future, I'm glad to see the powers that be taking chances with stuff like that. Did that have to be in there? Absolutely not. But I, I thought it was, it was cool and I enjoyed it. Before you go, Ben, I just want to say, I think that is the strength of Dave Filoni. That that's his thing. He expands the star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. That's what he's been doing with the television shows this whole time. Ben, go ahead. I do want to say though, that as much as I agree with everything you said, Jason, um, that while I loved the episode. It was proof that this show needed to be released all at once. All the episodes did. Because the episode was great, but it was not enough substance to stand on its own as a singular episode. It hooked me for the next episode. I was like, okay, I want to stick around now at this point. But And the way that it's going, the shorter episodes, the the strange pacing. Jon Favreau made this to be an eight-episode, all released at once binged series you could 100% tell and Disney Plus chose not to do that they chose to do it weekly because and who could blame them I understand why you want to make sure that um that people don't get Disney Plus binge the Mandalorian and then cancel their subscription and that's that I get it don't get me wrong but it was it should be binged so if you're listening to this now and you're like I feel like there's something wrong with it just stop watching it and wait till it's done because it should be binged you heard it from Ben. Stop watching The Mandalorian. No, Stop watching The Mandalorian. Stop listening to sci-fi cross-sections. Don't uh, rate, comment, uh, or Andrew. subscribe. Uh, oh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> You're fired. Andrew, you have something to I, say. Uh, no, this is kind of, um, to Jason's point, I I actually love the humor in here because it's not shoved down your throat. You know, uh, Ben kind of mentioned um, towards the beginning there, the uh, IG-11 robot. He's like kind of witty droid. It's like, no, he's not. He's just kind of like, He makes a couple of jokes about, you know, doing self-destruct and stuff. But like, other than that, he's not like C-3PO or like a K-2SO who's just like got this wry humor module, I think I mentioned in uh, some other episode. But and, you know, you've got baby baby Yoda. That's that's a comic relief. You've got these Jawa things, but it's not forced down your throat. I felt like I, I didn't feel like I was laughing out loud, but. This is just kind of like it's a subsequent story. Like you'd never hear about any of this stuff in a mainline series because you have to follow the mainline characters and the mainline characters don't do anything wacky or out of the ordinary. I, I was going to talk about how episodic the, the series can be because, you know, if you have a movie, everything has to play into a huge arc, right? And the fact that we can have an episode about the Mandalorian facing off with a, you know, a mud horn. Is very interesting to me. It it adds a lot of flexibility to something that would usually not. It's for a mainstream audience with uh, production value and live action being so episodic. Um, I feel like it, 
you know, overall, it's a Western to me as it's starting, as it is at this point. That's how it feels. It feels like a Western. It may change as it goes on, but I feel like you can have episodic archetypes like, uh, you know, the knight versus the dragon, like, you know, this this heroic thing. And then like, and then it, the water it, hole. Exactly. And then <laughs> and then it gets and then it gets subverted by the Jawas being like, oh, yummy oak. That's all. That's all we want. That's all we want. And so I, I think I think that's a really cool point that in this format, we can get high quality High quality content, but also delve deep into these nitty gritty, you know. Wish we could say the same thing about sci-fi cross sections. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we delve into the nitty gritty on every episode. That's literally the in concept. Fact, we're, we're the do, in, fact, in fact, we're doing it for this. The episode. last like what four or five episodes we've done, Ben has been like, I can't believe we managed to, you know, talk for however long about this, and I'm like. I'm still shocked we but talked a, for an hour and three minutes on Alita. I, I don't believe. And it. you know, we could stone, do another hour if we wanted to. Jason? So, yeah, I, I wanted to touch on um, what Ben just said a, a few minutes ago, because so there's been two points that have come up so far in our conversation here that I want to go back on. And the first one I forgot until Ben just mentioned what he mentioned. So I feel like the number one criticism I've seen levied at this show so far is its pacing. And what I've noticed versus like a lot of other, you know, streaming series or whatever that are released like Amazon Prime exclusive, Netflix exclusive, whatever. So like say they're 45 minutes long, whatever, you know, there's some that are longer, some that are shorter, but usually not. It's usually right around that commercial free. I think the Mandalorian, you know, I was really surprised when I was streaming it, like after the first episode, like when you get to the end, I wasn't ready for it to be over. I was like, what? And then the, the credits rolled. And like, okay, well, I know I have two more episodes to go. So like, I didn't feel like defeated, like, oh, well, that's cool. I'm kind of getting into this and now I got to wait, you know, like luckily when I watched it, I had some more content to watch. But realistically speaking, like, I think that whole model of, okay, well here, you know, the whole season of the show comes out on Friday and you've got, you know, 10 hours or whatever worth of content to binge versus how they're doing it now it is definitely an old school way of you know releasing the content and i know there's pros and cons to that but i feel like the way i watched it because those three episodes were available the pacing or the rhythm of it didn't seem quite as off to me because i watched it right through and when you think about it i think it was probably like maybe close to like 100 minutes worth of stuff so it look at like if you're watching I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a good example of like a, a Netflix series or something that's, you know, if you were three or four episodes in, you're already hundreds of minutes in. Um, whereas with this, it's it's pretty brisk because it's short. It's around a half hour, 35 minutes. You know, I think the longest episode was like maybe 42 minutes, 38, 38. So that's the thing. I mean, we're talking, you know, like uh, roughly when it's that I round down. So it's like a half hour well, TV that's show. 38 plus credit or yeah. 38 minus credits like credits are included in the 38. So I feel like it is very brisk and they're they're kind of and in, in some regards. Yeah, maybe that first episode is a little slow even, but I don't know. I, I, I definitely kind of agree with Ben. If you're watching it weekly, I think it's going to seem a lot slower than if you just hold off and wait till it's all out and then watch it straight through. I think it's a much more kind of cohesive, kind of faster moving story. Because to me, episode one, two, three is an arc of maybe one long episode of an of another TV show. 
And I, I feel like maybe some of that criticism would be reduced had they done it that way. But then who knows? Maybe it would be three episodes versus eight episodes based on the length they're shooting for. Let me tell you that that's exactly I, I did watch it sort of um, episode by episode as released. So I watched it Tuesday and then Friday and then the next Friday. And that was exactly my experience with, with episode one. I was like, oh my God, it's done. I want to I want more, you know, where's, I got to get more. And I, I think it's to the, you know, the credit. I mean, yeah, you can talk about whatever pacing stuff you want, but yeah, the, as an arc, yeah, this works. Cause it's like a 90 minute sort of, you know, you could call it a made for TV movie, but 90 minutes is, is that that's feature length, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like act one it's of kinda, yeah. the storyline of this season, I guess you could so, say. I mean, you could have had three 90 minute episodes versus the eight 30 ish minutes episodes, but you know, you, you know, you gotta get, you gotta get. Uh, butts in subscription seats yes which is fine but then make it been then release all the episodes like that's all i'm saying like i have no issue with the length at this point i realize now that it was supposed to be binged so which, let me and i love weekly shows i i lost is still my favorite show to this day and i can't wait till we do an episode on it one day but oh yes we will or, or 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 we're done. Or we're done. <laughs> uh, one episode. You get one episode. For that's it. fine. That's all I need. Um, <clears throat> but I, I like I love weekly shows because of that. But this was not a weekly show. It's not meant to be a weekly show at all. And Disney hurt it tremendously by making it a weekly show. I can agree oh, with that. I, but would you pay thirty or forty dollars just to get all eight episodes all at once? Just be like, hey, we're gonna release this. There's plenty more I want Disney Plus for, so yes. Uh yeah, what Herbie the Love Bug? Uh Lizzie McGuire reboot. Fuck you. <laughs> I, I I like the Mickey reboot. Mouse I like the Mickey Mouse uh clubhouse. That's uh that's one of my favorites. I, I suggest you have kids. <laughs> so, Some of us don't have a wife and kids. <laughs> so gentlemen, as we hit that point, um I just want to go into the third episode. We forgot to talk about the director really quick. Um, the chapter two was directed by Rick Famuyiwa. Yes, and uh, and starred Pedro Pascal, Nick Nolte, who was fantastic. We didn't even talk about Nick Nolte. No, that was Gary. Busey. He was great. He was great, was and we Nick loved Nolte. him. And we all no agreed. makeup, no makeup, and then a bunch of Jawas, <laughs> and that's it. I have spoken. Could you imagine if that wasn't Nick Nolte and it was Gary Busey? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be there for the, the filming of it. It's like, no, Gary, it's I have spoken. spoken. <laughs> that reminds me of the old, this is way off topic, but it's funny. It reminds me of the old Scrubs running gag where everyone kept mistaking Elliot for Gary Busey. Oh, God. And like she walked into a room and she like, it, it, there was a picture of JD and his ex-girlfriend and she put a picture and it looked like her face on it. And JD's like, oh, now it's you and me on the horse. And she goes, JD, that's Gary Busey. And he looks up again. He goes, that's uncanny. Oh, God. <laughs> Um, we should cover scrubs uh, on oh, the show yeah so um the sin the third episode which i think is the best episode yes. so far um this is where you actually i feel like they turned a lot of corners the character the mandalorian unnamed thus far grew like episode one to episode two is like oh, okay that's whatever we're gonna know the character episode three is when he i guess rejects his path at that point and just alters it completely. Um, I will say so. All right, I'm just gonna do my bit real, real quick here. They they do that obvious setup when he brings his Baskar steel to lady, lady that Blacksmith makes lady. makes his armor. Yeah, 
who I think is the leader of the Mandalorian. The armorer is the character's name. There yes. you go. Um, so at this point, that happens, and then you find out that this really big guy with a big gun disagrees gunner. with. So you have all the names. Perfect. He uh, amazing. He disagrees with the Mandalorians, Pedro Pascal's character's methods because of what he was doing, um, where he was getting his Baskar steel from, how he was getting his bounties, what have you. And in this episode, at the end, I'm just because uh, at the end, all the Mandalorians show up to help him out of his uh, pickle of a situation that he found himself in fighting Carl Weathers, which was cool. And that was him turning that corner and like rejecting, I guess, that path that he was on and actually just being that Mandalorian, being that that guy, um, taking care of this foundling. I think that's what he's actually doing here with the child is that's a foundling to him. Absolutely. That's um, that's a yeah. that that is. Yeah. So tell me what you guys think. Sorry. So I have a question and then I have a point. OK. This episode was directed by Deborah Chow. Thank you. Yes. My question is, because this heavily ties into the point I want to make about episode three. Pedro Pascal, does he play the Mandalorian? Like, is he wearing the suit? Yes. yes. So here, I, now that you brought that up, let me uh, say this. He does play the suit. And actually, Pedro Pascal, I didn't believe it at first. I was like, is he just doing the voice work? He actually does a suit. He said it was very difficult for him because he had to draw on his like acting school. To like, okay, this is how you actually act physically. Mm -hmm. A lot of actors yeah. rely on their facial expressions. Well, they have to, he had to take a step back. And honestly, I think it hurts his performance. I love Pedro Pascal. Um, what he did in, well, he was great in Game of Thrones and in Narcos, he's fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Uh, I honestly think that he's underused because he has to wear this bucket on his head the whole time. I disagree. I disagree. So my point. The point I wanted to make, and this is the reason I asked that question, okay. is episode three especially, I feel like this is one of those series where, so far at least, it's in, if we look at the three episodes as kind of an arc, it got better as it went along, and it culminated in episode three. So episode three was like everything I wanted out of this show. And I think I said before, you know, my expectations were subverted in that first episode, and I think by the time three rolled around, it was like, OK, this is not really the show I thought it was going to be, but this is great and I'm on board. And a lot of that, I feel like, has to do with Pedro Pascal's his performance, because it is such a physical performance. He's doing so much with so little. There was a lot of kind of like I hesitate to call it environmental storytelling or like acting, but I guess it would be like physical acting. Because you can't see his face, you can't see his emotions. He's doing so much to emote, and he's doing such a good job. Like there are scenes where you know just the way he kind of bows his head, or like when when he goes back to the ship and he sees that the little shifter knob is missing, and just the way he looks at it and kind of freezes, he freezes and kind of yeah. like bows his head, and like it really sold it to me. And at that moment, I knew what was going to happen, and I feel like. I don't know what what really drew me to that whole episode. He eventually does what you expect him to do. But I think the reason that episode works so well is that initially he does exactly kind of what you would expect him to do on paper. He turns in the bounty. He takes the, you know, Besker steel. He gets himself a badass fucking suit of armor. And you think like, hey, OK, cool. It's business as usual. I don't agree with that because Baby Yoda is cute as shit and I would never do that. 
but he did it. So he's living up to kind of this archetype of his character, or at least what we're led to expect the character would do. And then throughout, no, throughout, I guess, you know, the, the storyline kind of developing and his character developing, you come to that point where it's like, no, you know, he emotes. And I just, the, the fact that he's able to do that without ever seeing his face, I feel like is, I mean, that's awesome to me. That's, I, I can't even fathom. I'm not an actor by any means, but I would have to imagine that is like the ultimate challenge to get that emotional connection or content out without being able to emote. I, I just, I think it's great. So I, I think what you're saying there is with the subversion of expectation that you talked about, um, that was him saying, this isn't Boba Fett. This is something different. Um, Bill, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, um, yeah, it's, it's true. And you know, it's kind of interesting because we don't know a whole ton really about the Mandalorian culture as it pertains to the show. Right. So there are things that we understand. They adopt children, they're foundlings, they turn them into warriors and they have a warrior culture. I think that's sorry to interrupt you. I think that's as it stands now. I think that's not how it always has been. That's Um, where they're at now. No, they're actually drawing off of a series of novels called uh, Republic Commando where they actually, that's a big thing, a part of it is the Mandalorians adopt children into their culture. Well, then we must have just never seen it in uh, in, in the Clone yes, Wars episodes. Yes, it, it was never shown. Okay, my yet. bad. Continue. No problem. Uh, canon novel? I'm sorry, canon novel? Until it's nope. proven not. Nope. It was, this is pre-Disney. I played over. Republic Commando. It's pretty good. These are the books that accompanied it, yeah. But, uh, but so what I was going to say was, uh, does this, you know, we, we talk about the path that he's on in his life. Um... In the fact that he was a bounty hunter, but only as it served the way, you know, as it served, you know, the religion, the tribe that he's part of. And so it's like maybe maybe shooting that droid to save this child made perfect sense when it came to the way because he was he was um, protecting an innocent. You know, he was adopting him into his life and then making him possibly part of his tribe. And so it starts to make a lot more sense. You know, it's not like, oh, this guy's a big softy. I'm like, no, this is this is his life. This is what he grew up with. He grew up with, you know, destruction in his life. And he's, uh, you know, learned to gain control by being a warrior and also part of that warrior culture as well and the control of that culture is if he sees something that's not right he does something about it when it comes to an innocent child and then as well i believe that i'm not sure where the mandalorians came in or where they got their information i don't know if that was stated in the episode well they're all bounty hunters too right so they probably got the call that he's he's uh scrubbed or whatever right that he was you know pinned down scrubbed yeah i got it um and so they come in to rescue him and i think i feel like that was one of those kind of i don't know what i want to say fraternity brotherhood kind of thing where it's like no questions asked we have your back yeah you know if you're in danger we have your back whatever dumb shit you're trying to do we have your back sort of thing you know that's that's mandalorian period Mm -hmm. that's that's always been a thing as far as i know like you you can have all the beef you want but i don't unless you're like a piece of shit uh you know you could have all the beef you want i'll still back you when it comes to a fight right it's like family yeah that that is the big thing i think that what they want to show with the mandalorians is it's about the family it's about the tribe Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. yeah I mean, one brief aside with that, because I, I wanted to touch on that too. I feel like now is a, the, probably the best opportunity yeah. to talk about it. All of the scenes so far we've had in the first three episodes that take place kind of in their like, what do they call it? There's a specific term that they mention in episode three. The Mandalorian mentions it like, oh, you got, I'm paraphrasing here, obviously, but oh, you came to my rescue. You're going to have to relocate the, and it's like in reference to their kind of oh, underground, yeah. Oh yeah, you know, like. It's kind of like a community thing. Did yeah. Did you say the forge? Oh, and it was it was something. I mean, it's escaping me right now. But like, I thought everything. Foundry? No, I got but, it. but everything that has to do with that, like the fact that, you know, he goes underground and he goes into this like it almost looks like a sewer. And they, they've got this elaborate setup here where this armorer character in, you know, her elaborate suit of armor has this, you know, almost it, it, it's, it really is almost like an altar set up where they transform this Besker steel into their various, you know, armaments and everything else like that. Like, it's just really cool. Like, it, you really do get that vibe where it's almost like, you know, we've said family or a tribe or like knights or some sort of order that, you know, really sticks together. And I that's one of the things I really appreciate about this show is just kind of showing a different side of the stuff we're all so familiar with whether it was canon in the past or it's now become canon. I just think it's really cool that they're, I don't know, establishing that way. Uh, it was uh, reclo- relocate the covert. The covert. The covert. That's the it. Covert. Yeah. Also, also Mandalorian. Mandalorian's also a samurai. I know it's hard because Jedi exist in the same universe. but They, they are all samurais. Yeah, they're all, everybody's a samurai. <laughs> oh, no, the Jedi are not based off the samurai. They're based off the Knights Templar. Okay. Right. That's how I would look at it. But go ahead, Ben. Um, yeah. No, this is all really good. Uh, I think this all really comes back to, in my opinion, Deborah Chow. Uh, I like seriously. The scripts are one thing, and like the scripts have been the same quality, in my opinion, throughout these three episodes. Obviously, they're all written by John Favreau. They're all good. Um, they all they differ in content, of course. But if I had to pick Werner Herzog episode one or Werner Herzog episode three, I would pick Werner Herzog episode three any day. Really? Any day. It, it, there's something about him that is so much more threatening in episode three. In episode one, you see the stormtroopers, you see this guy, and you go, <laughs> it's Werner Herzog. And I, I love him, don't get me wrong, he's so good. But I was like, eh, it's Werner Herzog. And then in episode, in uh, chapter three, we should call them chapters. Thank you, I was going to say that. <laughs> Let's call them chapters in, from now on. In chapter three, uh, you know... He Mandalorian shows back up and he there's something about him. The way he's collecting this child is just like monstrous. It, it brings me back to Tarkin and new in episode four, you know, when he's torturing Leia or interrogating Leia. It, it's monstrous almost. And so I think Deborah Chow did a lot to kind of help evoke a lot of emotion um, like the scene when the Mandalorians show up could easily have been really corny. It could have been really cheesy. It was borderline. It was borderline, yeah. but it was inspiring. And for someone like me, who at this point is like half invested, like, yeah, this is good. I'm sticking with this half because it's Star Wars, half because it's good. When they showed up, I was like, all right, that's fucking cool. Yep. Like, same, I'm in. Same. Like, <laughs> the only like thing, that was good. The only Super thing I complain cool. about is the salute. Uh, but no, fuck it. Like, I love it. I, it, was, it was it was the corniest part. It was the worst part. But 
It was saved with Pedro Pascal's monotone. I gotta get myself one. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't salute back. He just nods and yep. says, "I gotta get myself one of those." Yeah, I agree. Um, at this point, I kind of want to get into some of the acting. We've all already talked about uh, Pedro Pascal, um, and more of the physical side of acting that he has to do for this, just because he doesn't have the luxury of the the facial expression that most actors do um what do you guys think obviously you said you love uh verner mm-hmm. and, I, his, and i i think he's status quo so there's a couple he's not he's not you a big bad bounty man <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple fun anecdotes yeah, actually yeah, bounty yeah. hunting is a complicated profession <laughs> there's a couple fun anecdotes about werner herzog actually on set one of which is that he was driven to tears apparently when he saw baby Yoda. <laughs> he forgot it wasn't real. No, he seriously he says as much. Well, I, I and saw then an this interview. goes to the other anecdote, which is apparently the guy's a living meme. He's a living meme. Apparently, when production was talking about using baby Yoda, like a CGI baby Yoda, as a replacement to the puppet in a scene, Werner Herzog heard them and he called everyone on the on the VFX team cowards. He called him is, is he wrong though? Is no, he, he's, he not. Wrong? He's, he's not. And he, when Werner Herzog calls you a coward, you say, "All right, we'll get the puppet." I was like, "Guess what? They got the puppet." <laughs> oh man! All right, he's so great. he he crushes it out of the park. I will also say that Carl Weathers mm-hmm. is doing great. a damn fine job. I'm ex- I'm uh, really really happy seems, that Beskar saved him. He seems comfortable in his role, which mm-hmm. I'm excited for. So I was like, he's Carl Weathers in Star Wars. I was like, that could work. Well, but how does. is it going to play yeah, out? He does a great job. Right off the bat, he's nailing his role. He plays it like a fan. Yeah. He's a fan, and he likes the universe, and he likes playing it. He's happy to be there. Yes, like, And you can tell, I think, that, that enthusiasm from someone who's involved in something, and they want to be there, and they're happy to be there, versus someone where it's, you know, it's a paycheck or whatever, it's a job. Like, you can tell he's happy to be there. And to an extent, I think, you know, kind of the, we didn't really talk much about him, but it's a very integral, important character, I think, is uh, Nick Nolte's character. And the the other question I have is, because I, I didn't really get the opportunity to, to look into it that much, but is Nick Nolte playing that character with the, yeah. you know, apparatus? Yeah. So that's Nick Nolte yeah. on... I, see, I, I heard that it was voice work only. I'm not sure. That's why I was asking. That wouldn't make any sense. Why Then why do the... Prosthetics. I don't think you realize how old Nick. Yeah, million trillion years old. He didn't move. He just... No, no. But I, I honestly think that 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 wasn't Nick Nolte. That was a a, a smaller person on a. And you're not gonna find that info. Not no, yet, you will. I'm pretty sure I, I saw that it was voice only. It was Nick Nolte on that one, but I could be wrong. Oh yeah, Nick Nolte crushed his his role, but I don't think his character plays a role from here. I think this is. Yeah, I think he's. Oh, from here? I think he's taking Baby Yoda back to him. You think? See, I thought this was... What else is he going to do with him? He was important for the Mandalorian's development as a character, but I don't think it goes further from there. I'm still not done with Carl Weathers. I'm sorry, guys. When he got shot, shot, I was like, fuck no, they did not just kill off Carl Weathers. And they didn't. He he was honestly... He's he's important to this story. He's carrying it forward along with the Mandalorian. You need that and Antithesis at that point. You need that opposite side. And that's not Werner Herzog, as much as I love him. He's not. Yeah. Well, I feel like a lot. Ba- 
you need Carl Weathers. Character. Yeah, no, and he's a great character. I, I feel like a lot of like Nick Nolte's character to t- kind of tie it into this being like a space Western or a Star Wars Western. Like he is an archetypical Western character. It's like the the nice, you know, old man or like the nice, like, you know, Plains widow who takes in our character and kind of helps him out and, you know, gives him gives him a bed and a hot meal and a horse and sends him on their way. It, it is. I mean, if you think of Westerns, any Western, you've got that character. So to me, that whole scene where uh, that character teaches him. To, what's the name of the a cool? The the beast or whatever the oh the Methorn you're talking about no no no, no, no the no, little no. hoppy dudes some with an S the hoppy dudes that they jump over the cracks in the first episode okay but but same thing that whole scene was just grounded it in oh this is a western you know if you look at that they're riding over the ridge at sunset and you know they just happen to be riding these goofy ass looking creatures and so, you know that they're literally in a you know like a, a pen or whatever you know I mean they might as well be in Wyoming. They just happen to be, you know, in a galaxy far, far away on some planet. Why don't you go in a second? I, I would just say that take away the prosthetics, take away the makeup, take away anything Star Wars, and just have those actors play those roles. Perfect. Yep. It, it would have fit perfectly. So, I agree. Miller? It's kind of to your point. Um, I, I feel like Herzog's the overarching villain, but Carl Weathers is the character foil to the Mandalorian. Carl Weathers is going to be there to stop the Mandalorian. You know, Herzog's going to be like sending guys after him, but the the antithesis of the Mandalorian is Carl Weathers' character. I Do think. you think that Carl Weathers' character will end up siding with the Mandalorian? No, I think character. he's going to go after him because he's dishonored him. You know, he's okay. he's destroyed the entire guild basically on this planet. I also think he's an opportunist though. So I mean, yeah, I mean, but but opportunity knocks all over the place. You know, who's to say that, you know, a friend one day won't become an enemy another, you know? All right, Jason. So uh, I guess to wrap up my thoughts on this um, kind of the the broader picture things I tend to do here, let's go back to a point Bill made. Uh, and as far as kind of talking about canon, what constitutes canon um, and how we kind of look at these stories. So bring in kind of something I did uh, actually yesterday. So lately, especially, I'm not really a big consumer of, you know, film, TV shows, whatever. Really, the only thing I've been doing is is gaming just because I just find myself without the time to do it. So it's not necessarily that I don't care or whatever. It's just I, I don't I don't have the time or the opportunity to do it. And with that being said, it's kind of been hard for me, especially in the last maybe five years or so, to really consume a lot of this uh, expanded universe content or this, you know, stuff outside of films and kind of the the mainstream lore, I guess. Back in the day, sure, I loved, you know, I, I was up on all the expanded universe stuff, the, the Legends stuff now. But one of the things that I'm kind of a sucker for and I really look for is if you tell me something is established like canon or is established as part of a mainline story, I tend to try to fit it in, watch it, consume it, whatever, and then I kind of put it into my timeline of events in my brain. So one of the things I did yesterday was I actually watched Solo. 
I hadn't seen it before yesterday. I just saw that it was on Netflix. I was like, oh, hey, I'm going to watch it, whatever. So at this point now, I've seen all of the canon kind of new Star Wars films. So, you know, I've seen all the Star Wars films many times. I've seen Rogue One. I've seen Solo. And to an extent now, I kind of lump Mandalorian in with that. So if you think about it, if you were just, you know, not someone who's going to dig really that much deeper and you were just going to watch what is being presented to you as something you can see in a movie theater or something you can see on your streaming service that is part of this overarching story. Now, this is another thing that we can add to it, right? Mandalorian, we can add to it. So I, I really think they're doing a good job, at least thus far, at trying or striving to be connective tissue and establishing some continuity between what we've seen before, what we're seeing now, uh, where I guess things are going to go, because I feel like truthfully, there are a lot of threads that are already starting to set up that could go places that are going to go beyond the even the new trilogy of films like uh, they, they even reference it. I thought the one scene that was cool was like, uh, again, paraphrasing. Oh, well, uh, where are you going to go? You're going to try to hide from, you know, the new republic and someone makes a comment like, oh, the new republic. That's, you know, that's bullshit or whatever. They're bullshit. And like, that's kind of cool to me because now we're seeing, OK, they're referencing. The new trilogy, but this is firmly kind of tying us into that post empire era. So to me, I, I don't know, that's I really enjoy. When they are able to, I guess, take. A different story that we haven't seen and do what they're currently doing with it this if nothing else these first three episodes have me hyped for obi-wan i cannot wait because with that just with that character with ewan mcgregor kind of embodying it 20 years later real time 20 years later i just cannot wait to see hopefully you know they approach it with the same talent the same production value and i would assume they would if not better <laughs> I'm just really excited to see kind of where it goes. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I appreciate the canon that they're laying out now. It might be different than what we've had in the past. It might be different than what we're used to. But so far, you know, if they approach it in projects like this, I think it's going to establish, um, I don't know, much more interesting storylines down the road. Well, that's why I loved episode three so much. Chapter three is because Deborah Chow directed it and she's attached to obi-wan so oh thank god that's yeah. that's yep. the big thing right there is like okay so obi-wan's gonna be fucking awesome all right is that what you want to say bill or? uh no i was gonna say uh do we think werner herzog is the big bad yeah yeah so for sure the big bad werner herzog is the mayor no. in the town and carl weathers is the sheriff i, I just i don't think the big bag is big bad has emerged yet well, that's that's what I if think. He hasn't emerged yet. The show's in a lot of trouble. Listen, <laughs> yeah, but listen, this is what Star Wars does, right? They reveal a secret big bad at some point. We don't talk, about and it's that. always Palpatine. Um, but <laughs> yeah, Palpatine's actually going to show up at the in episode in chapter eight, and you're going to be like, ah, oh, there he is. Nobody yeah, ever really dies. Nobody's ever really <laughs> you, gone. You, you, you're going to see John Favreau's like, I got. Oh, all we need Carl Weathers with the best scar. Oh, and, and no oh, one's ever oh, really gone. Oh. I uh, I have one more. I wanted to ask how much. This is stupid, but how much do you think the Beskar armor full set is worth? In real USD current dollars, like real Beskar, because like, that's not a thing. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, like, if you were to think about that universe and all the bounty hunters looking at them, priceless, weighing it. Yeah, I was gonna priceless. say that's an insane amount of. Yeah, I'd yeah, say I say the mortgage on a decent home. You no. think so? I think two hundred Republic credits. It, they are. It's lost. Republic credits. 
it's lost treasure of a lost civilization. It's priceless. Are you saying it belongs in a museum? It belongs in a museum! <laughs> Jason. Well, I know I pound it. I don't care. Well, that's the other thing that's badass, too, about that whole thing is, like, you're getting paid in this, right? So it's just, you know, metal, whatever, rare metal. What would you do? Well, if I was doing a bounty, and I'm not a Mandalorian, I'm going to trade that shit in, right? I'm going to sell it. I'm going to whatever. Give me some credits, man. I'm going to the Buy casino. A planet, you know? <laughs> Literally... Goes to the armorer, gets a badass suit of armor made. Like, that was awesome. Well, that's all he has to do with it. I he, know, that's and that's value because that is the value. Yeah. Exactly, that, and that's, that's awesome. That's crazy. Is like, you look at these bounty hunters, and they're all thinking, like, okay, how many credits can I get for that? But then you look at, you know, him. What matters? It's the way. You know, mm -hmm. like, you know, it's the way. Yeah. That's the only thing that matters to I him. I can get a curious. I can get some whistling birds. I can pay it forward to the uh, foundlings. That's what I want to do. Yep. So, I'm actually not going to ask you guys good sci-fi, good sci-fi or bad sci-fi at this point. Because I'd like, I'd like to do it if we had to rate it now. Is that not a thing? Do you think we could rate it now? Because we have five like, episodes left. If you had to, but it's fine. If we don't want to, we don't have to. Fuck it. We all know that. We all know what Star Wars is a sci-fi. It's not sci-fi. It's it's true. Space fantasy. Yep. So we're just gonna jump right into it and say, good, good sci-fi, bad sci-fi. Go. Me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, good sci-fi. I think, you know, it's as as far as sci-fi goes, of course, we're assuming that Star Wars is sci-fi. It's space fantasy. Right, right? of course. Um, I, I think that it has grown a lot in the first three episodes, and that while I wish it was all released at once, not for my own benefit, but for the benefit of the show itself, to actually be able to stand on its own two legs a little bit better, I've enjoyed what we've seen up till now, to the point where I look back at episode one and I'd probably enjoy it more if I rewatched it. So I, I'd say that if you're if you're patient, wait, binge it. You like it more. I'm not patient. I'm gonna watch it every week. All right. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, I mean, I I love it uh, so far. It's lived up to kind of what my expectations were in a different way. It, it's not what I expected, but at the same time too. Would we have really been happy with a show that was just, you know, the Mandalorian doing a different bounty every week? No. Yes. I, I think the well, fact actually, that... actually, yes, I would have, yes. but continue. <laughs> I don't think I would have, because I think that might have been cool for a few episodes, but I think ultimately, if that's what it was, and it was just this, like, serialized, you know, like a, like a Law and Order or something like that, but with Mandalorians, like, it... Don't get me wrong. It's not that that's not a cool concept, but I feel like the fact that they went as hard as they did on a story and on character development this early on, it's going to be a different show than I think what we expected. But I, for one, am definitely intrigued and it's hooked me. And, you know, it's there's a lot of content in the marketplace now. So I, regardless of whether or not it's Star Wars, I mean... Yeah, okay, Star Wars name is on it. It's going to be popular, but I don't think that's really enough anymore to just be like, oh, well, it's a Star Wars property. This is going to be a mega hit, Solo especially with the, con so you know. Solo showed that, that just because Star Wars is on it does not mean it's going to be a hit. Mm -hmm. Especially with that being your subject is the Mandalorian. I mean, we all know what Mandalorians are, but again, my wife doesn't. The Mandalorian, what the, what the hell is that? What, you know, I mean, so that's kind of where, where I'm at with that. All in all, no, I think it's it's great sci-fi so far. It's 
it is. It's it's a, a different take on Star Wars. I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm definitely hooked, and um, I hope that I can echo the same things we're talking about now, next month or two months from now when we do our wrap up. All right. I will say that it is, eh, sci-fi. <laughs> G- I mean, given the stuff that we've covered on this podcast, I yeah, will say that this that's is fair. eh. It's totally fair. Um, but I love the story. I love where they're going. Um, I'm intrigued. Can't wait to see how they finish this off. We got five episodes left. We're only talked about the first three episodes. There's so much more they can That's cover. That's an hour left. We there, have an there, hour yeah. left I, of I, the Mandalorian. I, I looked at the actors that are, are coming into this, you know, that we have not seen yet. I'm excited. So, um, Bill. Okay. Uh, I'd say that uh, I love Star Wars. And if I were to look at this, if, if I were to look at this series in a vacuum, on its own, which is just impossible to do with any Star Wars, um, then I'd say it was bad sci-fi because it didn't really make me question anything. It didn't really like have that sci-fi aspect. I would say that this is a, so much fun, which is all I want out of Star Wars. Is yes. like it's so much fun, so cool. I get into the characters. I love that, and I love this universe. And that is the same thing as fantasy. And fantasy doesn't necessarily have to make you question anything. Fantasy doesn't necessarily need to, you know, play with any sort of um, any sort of technology or anything like that. But I'd say, you know, given the standard that I have for sci-fi, I'd say that it's not good. Like you said, meh. You know, I, I wouldn't say that it's good sci-fi. I'd say it's so much fun. If you like Star Wars and you're watching this and you're not having fucking fun, I don't know who you are. Like, seriously. Anyway. Thank you, me. Bill. Andrew W. S. Anderson. Um, for me, like, I'll, I'll just preface. I, I don't know what it's like to be a father. And I got a point. Um, but this Star Wars is like it's like a it's like a child you know you it's like i love i love star wars i i love there's a lot about it i love and i feel like in in a lot of ways it's just like a child like your child who's lost their way like there's just there's a lot of a lot of failure points that i've seen in star wars over the recent years especially being acquired by disney and doing all of what it's done and you know we can get into arguments about that later on but i feel like with the mandalorian it's kind of like you, you see the Mandalorian and it's like, maybe it's going to pull through. Maybe it's going to come back. Maybe it's going to be the like prodigal child. I really, I really enjoy this series. I'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes. Um, you know, I mean, you could, you know, you can say that, you know, it's mass sci-fi or not good sci-fi, but I, I mean, I love it. It's a, it's probably the, one of the only science fiction properties that I really truly will always kind of come back and like check on like how how's it doing you know how's how's star wars doing right now you know what's going on with star wars you know i can i can take or leave certain properties but you know star wars is something i'll always come back to so i love it you know i mean i i'm I'm really glad um it is what it is uh i've got high hopes for the remainder of the series or season hopefully there's more past this um season but um I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to the rest. Uh, I think it's great. I think it's great sci-fi. Love it. Awesome. Okay. Before our overlord wraps this up, we do have very breaking news. Oh, boy. Very breaking news. Star Wars has released their merch for the Yoda, Baby Yoda. 
and it is the worst trash you have ever seen in your entire life. The child. Well, of course they screenshot the oh, shit no. and just look threw at it this. Over the fucking look yes. at this. Oh, and it's going no, to sell like no. hotcakes. Look at this. It's going uh, to for sell our podcast like users, so I, will, uh, I'm going to, I will. I'm going to be this. posting this to social media <laughs> right this second. So if you are listening now, what, uh, go back a week on Facebook and you'll see it. What's what's that Facebook URL? Uh, it's facebook.com slash sci-fi cross sections. There you go. All right. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. I actually, Miller, you brought up some interesting points that I, I, I want to ask questions of you guys, but I think it's perfect to ask that on the next episode of The Mandalorian uh, come January. Next time, we are covering The Outer Worlds, the new sci-fi video game by... Obsidian. Obsidian, yes. Good lord. Makers of the best Fallout games. That's true. We're at the point now where Obsidian has once again overtaken Bethesda. See you for the cast. All right. Anyways. Fuck Bethesda 2012. Phil. I just want to offer, uh, so if you have Xbox One, I just wanted to let you know that if you can get Game Pass, you can get it right now for $14.99 for three months, which includes The Outer Worlds. So you can play that and keep up with us and then listen to the cast. You can also play uh, Conker's Bad Fur Day. And also, ladies and gentlemen, if you have Apple Podcasts, please like and subscribe and leave us a review. It's very important. We cannot grow as a podcast unless we get reviews on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. Um, Until next time.